Well, good morning, Journey. Hey, praise the Lord, right? Turn to someone with you and say, praise the Lord. I can't tell you how many messages I got. You know, normally after Sunday, five or 10 people reach out. I bet last week, 25 to 50 people reached out. We did a sermon called Praise the Lord, celebrating the end of our summer in the Psalms. And I had dozens of people that reached out and said, I needed a change in perspective. I needed a change in perspective. This year's been crazy. This year's been hard. But I had forgotten that God was still in charge. I needed a change in perspective. Thank you. I had so many people reach out that I thought, you know, maybe we should let our church know where we're headed. Maybe we should help our church understand our perspective as we get ready to turn through the summer and head into the fall. So we're calling today Vision Sunday for the fall of 2020. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. Thank you so much for being with us today. For those of you watching in our outdoor environment, like Pastor Ryan said, my gosh, I'm jealous of you. It feels so good today. For all of you who are watching at home, we love you and we miss you. Let me say a special hello to my buddy Spencer Roberts and all your friends watching in the Knox house. I know you've been quarantine for a long time. Spence, we're glad that you tune in every Sunday. My goodness to people watching in Alaska and to Staff Sergeant Matthew Nisley, who's been watching in Japan after nine years in the Marines. You were back. Congratulations on your term and on your service. And we're glad to have you back um, in Kansas City today. Matthew is uh, Jim Nisley, one of our elder sons. He wasn't supposed to be home till January. And then all of a sudden he popped into town and made mom cry. And did dad cry too? Did dad cry a little bit? Just a little bit, just a little bit of tears. Matthew, Alexa, we're so glad you guys and your kids are back in Kansas City. Hey, two goals today as we dig into Vision Sunday. Number one, to set our direction and perspective as a church for the fall of 2020. 25 weeks ago, church paused. Uh, March 15th rolled around and we stopped having public services for 13 weeks. We didn't meet and gather publicly. We began to kind of slowly trickle back in June. We started the year with some big dreams, big goals, big calls that we felt like God had for us and our ministry and our church. And a lot of those kind of got paused along the way. We feel like now it's time to re-engage in that direction and figure out how our heart needs to be shaped to do that. And then to be reminded to put great effort into moving forward. Is anybody else sick of spinning their wheels in 2020? Let's get moving forward. Let's pray before we jump into Philippians 1, okay? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in church this morning. Our prayers that you'd speak to our hearts. Would you, right where you are here, outside, watching online, would you take a deep breath? And would you whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you today? God, speak to, speak to us today. Show us the spirit you want us to pursue ministry and discipleship with this fall as individuals and as a church. God, as we push through this crazy year, speak to our hearts about what specific steps we might need to take forward. That's our prayer. We pray you'll help us with that, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. So Philippians chapter one is an interesting book. Philippians is an interesting book. It's called a prison epistle. If any of you are in the Journey Church Bible reading plan, we handed out a one-year Bible reading plan in December and in January. You're reading along probably with me. I'm getting ready to finish the book of Acts. And the book of Acts ends, Acts 28, with the apostle Paul in prison. We're told for two years he was under house arrest and he could receive visitors and he could write books. We know four of the books that he wrote. He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. He wrote a personal letter to a friend named Philemon. These in our Bible are known as prison epistles. And I think in 2020, I think Christians should probably study the prison epistles. 
The Bible is not an old book. The Bible is an eternal book. The Bible is a timeless book, which means the Bible is always a timely book. And I think Christians in 2020 might need to study a little bit of hope from someone who was under a little bit of spiritual duress. Amen? Like, this is a timely t- season to find out how to move through difficult seasons in life, to see the posture and the spirit and the direction that we should move when just practicing our faith can be difficult. Philippi, the book, the the city that the book was written to was a special city in Paul's life. In Acts chapter 16, he made his first visit there. He started a church. A few years later, he would go back in Acts chapter 20, make another visit. As soon as they found out he was in prison in Rome, they sent a man in their church named Epaphrodites to take him a care package. The apostle Paul was one of their love week projects. They took him a care package. And when he got that, he wrote him a letter to say, thank you. Thank you for what you sent. And he wrote him a letter to, to help them press on in a tough season of life. Say, what, what is the book of Philippians about? It's about really three things. Number one, it's about finding joy in a time of suffering. Is that a timely message for journey in 2020 or not? Yeah, finding joy in suffering. It was about f- learning how to be encouraged when everything in life was discouraging. Timely message for journey in 2020? Yeah. And it was about learning to finish what was started When what was started kind of got stalled, that is a timely message for journey in 2020. So as we dig into Philippians chapter one, Paul is telling the church how grateful he is that that they want to know how he's doing. I can't tell you how grateful I am as a pastor in this season for the number of people that continue to reach out to me. One of our elders Friday night reached out late again and just said, how was your week? How's your family? How are you doing? How's your heart? How's your energy? Um, just want to make sure you're doing okay. So many people saying, how's the church doing? How's the staff doing? What are our plans moving forward? I don't know that I've ever had a season where I have felt like people have cared more. And today's message is to try to answer those questions. How are we doing? What are we doing? How are we going to move forward? Here's what the apostle Paul said to the church in Philippi in verses three through six of Philippians one. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're going to live in verse 6 today, and we're going to talk about the three words in that verse that start with C. If you have your pen, you can go ahead and circle, and we're going to talk about the word confident. We're going to talk about the word carry. We're going to talk about the word completion. That's going to be our Bible study outline today. Say, Christian, How is journey moving forward into the fall of 2020? Here's what I want you to know. We're confident. We're confident. At least today, we're confident. Last month, we might have not been confident. Next month, we might have to fight for it. But today, we're confident. Paul said, being confident of what God is doing, I'm writing to you because of Jesus. I was sitting in my chair on Monday morning prayer, July 27th, a month ago, and I was not confident. Um, sadly, I was discouraged, probably borderline depressed, disillusioned with everything going on in the world. And our student ministry associate, Hannon Sanderson, was talking about having faith, believing faith, still believing God for big things. And as he was saying that, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, somehow I'm not doing that anymore. 
In my mind, for the past six months, I've been rolling around the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount because the first Sunday of October, we're going to start a brand new sermon series called The Way of Jesus, and we're just going to begin walking verse by verse, first through the Beatitudes, then through the Sermon on the Mount, and I am at this point in my heart impressed to just go through the whole book of Matthew verse by verse. It may take us a couple years, but that's what my heart right now tells me our church needs. Just open up the Bible and just study about Jesus. So I've been thinking about the Beatitudes, and the first is, blessed are the poor poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And as I sat in my seat on Monday morning prayer, July 27, I thought about Hannah and saying, have faith, have trust, have hope. I thought, you know what? I, I know I need to be poor in spirit, but I think in 2020, I have become poor in hope. I think I've become poor in hope. I think my hope deficit is light and scripture never calls Christians to be poor in hope. There's not one verse in the Bible that says you should have less hope because of something that happens in life. There's, there's not one verse in the Bible that says you should have a little bit of hope. There's not one verse in the Bible that says you should kind of reserve your hope for only the best days in life. And I thought, man, I, I have somehow become a Christian who hasn't had hope. And I gotta be honest with you. I think there are a lot of Christians who are poor in hope in 2020. And I think I have fed into your poor spirit of hope, and I know you have fed into my poor spirit of hope, because I have never lived through a season where more Christians have expressed being afraid or being hopeless as I have in the last six months of life. Anybody else with me? I've never seen more people who believe that God is good, believe that things are going to go so bad, and live in so much fear, and live in so much hopelessness. They, they think if God is in charge, his plan is hanging on by a thread, but any minute that thread can be broken. That spirit is never mentioned in this book, but it was my spirit. And I think it's been a lot of your spirits. And God said, no, Christian, you got to be confident because remember who I am. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope, he's not the God of no hope. He's not the God of lost hope. He's not the God of a little bit of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Of all the things being expressed by Christians in 2020, if you were to ask a world who did not know Jesus but did know Christians, give me, summarize the spirit of all the Christians that you know with one word, I don't know that hope would make the top 10. But it should. I wanted to in my life. So I said, you know what? Because I serve the God of all hope, what's my spirit going to be moving forward? Like the Apostle Paul, I want, I want my spirit to be confident. I want my spirit to be confident because Paul's was. And listen, listen to me, folks. Listen very, very closely. Regardless of what happens through the end of the year with the, pandem with the pandemic and the politics, regardless of what happens with the pandemic and the politics, I promise you, America will be in a better position spiritually on January 1 of 2021 than the apostle was in Philippians chapter 1. Amen? Amen? Regardless of what happens with the pandemic or the politics, on January 1st of next year, America will be in a better, you as a Christian living in this country will be in a better position spiritually than the apostle Paul was in Philippians chapter 1. And he said, here's how I feel about my state. I'm confident that God is working. I'm confident God is working. 
So as a church, we're going to choose to be confident that God is working. Why? Because we always believe God is working and we believe God is good. And it takes surrendering fear. It takes surrendering expectation. It takes surrendering even preferences sometimes to God. But when you do that, what we realize is our surrender is not just to the one who's good. It's to the one who has better plans than ours. So if we would have written a plan for 2020 and then saw God's plan for 2020... 50 years in the future, we would have said his is better. Even with COVID, yes, his is better. Even with school closures, yes, his is better. Even with everything, yes, yes, because our God is good. His plan is always better than the one we would have chosen. It may take an eternity to see that. But if we believe our God is good, we have to believe his plan is better than what we would have planned and we are confident that he is still on the throne and he is still working. Praise the Lord. Like that's, that's the spirit of the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter one. And it is the spirit we're trying. It's the spirit I'm fighting to have in my soul. One of our interns told me in the back four weeks ago, something happened. And four weeks ago, I said, it's the best sermon I've ever heard Pastor Christian preach. And every week you get a little bit better. And I said, I am working out five months of depression and frustration. Hang on, six or seven weeks from now, I might settle down. But I still got, I'm like, I'm through March, but I still got to work out April and May and June and July. But I'm telling you, man, I am working to be confident because my God is on the throne. And if Paul can be confident in chains, I can be confident in whatever America is going to ask me to be in. What's that going to lead us to do? Because we're confident we're going to carry it on. We're going to carry on. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. I love how the apostle Paul carried on. We need to take notes here. Because the Apostle Paul is in prison and he's writing to people about the confidence he has. He says in verses four through six, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident. There's the first seat of this, that he who began a good work will carry it. There's the second seat on to completion. That will be the third one until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, as I pray, let me tell you how I am carrying on. I believe it sets a pretty good template for how you and I should carry on spiritually. He gives us some words of wisdom. The first is joy. Paul said, I'm going to care because I'm confident. I'm going to carry on in joy. Would you say this is the overriding emotion coming out of your spirit? As I prayed on the way to church this morning with a beautiful sunrise kind of looming on the horizon, I prayed for our volunteers. Every Sunday on the way to church, I pray for our volunteers. And I prayed that our volunteers would impact people with the fruit of the spirit, that people who interacted with our volunteers today would feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you say one of the overwhelming fruit of your life is joy? Like you just wake up and chuckle because you're just so joyful about what God is doing. Paul said, that's where I am. Yeah, but that's Paul. Listen, Paul was in prison. Paul was not in a, a kind of mandatory, please stay in quarantine so like you won't get sick or get other people sick. Paul was in prison. Paul, he said he was in chains. But Paul didn't say, I can't believe I'm chained to these guys. Paul said, I can't believe they're chained to me. They have no chance to escape. And I'm going to tell them all about Jesus. How exciting is this? Joy and a little bit of crazy, but I like it. Like in 2020 is like, yes, sign me up for that. I like the posture of this guy. This is so exciting. They can't get away from me. They're, ch they're chained to me. I look at the apostle Paul and I want to be more like him. 
The Apostle Paul wrote four books from prison, hundreds of sentences from prison. We don't read one woe is me post from the Apostle Paul that history has preserved for us. And his situation was worse. Folks, his situation was worse. It was more dire. He would leave by, lo- by, by losing his head. He would leave his prison cell by losing his head eventually to an evil Roman emperor named Nero. His situation was worse than ours. And he said, this is so exciting. He had joy. Why did he have joy? Because he looked at his Christian life as a journey. He said, from the first day until now. He said, listen, you and I have been doing spiritual life for a long time together. And he said, we can't make spiritual decisions in a snapshot of time. Because our spiritual connection, our spiritual journey, our Savior is not just about what's happening in this time. But he said, from the very first day that we began to follow Jesus until now, all of this has been a journey that we're learning from, all of it. And he said, in Christianity, what you're going to find is setbacks in Christianity. Things that appear to be setbacks in Christianity actually become the greatest spiritual mile markers on the spiritual journey of Christianity. Like when they hung Jesus on a cross, that appeared to be a setback until it became the greatest mile marker in the history of the Christian faith. When a man named Saul started killing Christians because they said Jesus is the Messiah and the Jewish leaders had killed him, that appeared to be a setback that that guy was on the scene until God reached him and said, you're going to take all that energy now and pour it into reaching people for Jesus. When Paul was arrested earlier and put in prison in Caesarea, kind of in Western Israel on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, it appeared to be a setback for the Gentile Christian church that was growing, but he had a doctor that traveled with him to make sure his needs were met named Luke, and Luke took that occasion to travel through Israel to ask people if the things he'd heard about Jesus were really true and to find eyewitnesses so that he could know for sure the stories he had were true. And then he wrote a book to his friend named Theophilus and said, I've talked to people who saw it all, who were there. It was real. You can trust it. We have it in our Bible now. It's the book of Luke. It appeared to be a setback until it became a spiritual mile marker in our faith. When Paul was put in prison in Rome, It appeared to be a setback until it became a spiritual mile marker of prison epistles in our New Testament. And listen, I'm not sure what God is doing in 2020, but I know it's not going to be a setback in the story of your spiritual journey. It can be, if you will allow it to be, a spiritual mile marker that you say that is the time some things got ironed out spiritually that could have never been ironed out if that season wouldn't have happened You're on a journey. Don't look at a snapshot in time as all the things in your faith. Just realize it is part of the journey. Setbacks are spiritual milestones. Say, how can you say that? Paul said, because I'm traveling towards Jesus and I trust Jesus. Paul said, listen, I'm on a journey and I'm confident in my journey because my journey ends in Jesus and I'm confident in my Jesus. Listen, when I look at what's going on in 2020 There's no wonder the world is frustrated because the world is looking for solutions without a savior. The world wants communities to live in peace, but they don't want the prince of peace to rule the community or the people in them. They want heaven on earth without Jesus on the throne. I mean, when you see what people are asking for, they're asking people to live and love as Jesus would. They want all of God's blessing, all of God's order without any of God's authority, and that's not gonna work. You need Jesus. He's, he's the thing that makes it all go. He's the cog that makes it all go. And there are some seasons in life where Jesus is the only answer. Now, you and I as Christians would say every season in life, Jesus is the only answer. But there are some where it's very clear Jesus is the only answer. There are some places in time where Jesus is the only answer. 
Paul would travel to a city named Corinth to start a church there. And Corinth, Corinth was the most wicked place in the Roman Empire. The people in the Roman Empire were crazy. Like the, Ro- the Roman Empire was crazy in itself, but the Roman Empire looked at people in Corinth and are like, that's where the crazy stuff happens. Um, you've heard the phrase, if it, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Corinth was the Vegas of the Roman Empire, which is crazy because the Roman Empire was the Vegas of all of world history. Like that, that's what Corinth was. There was a, there was a phrase in the in ancient history called to Corinthianize, and they would describe things that were too embarrassing to talk about as Corinthianizing. And Paul went there and tried to start a church. He actually wrote four letters to the Corinthians. First, second, third, and fourth Corinthians. We don't have the first one recorded in history. The one in our Bible called 1 Corinthians is actually second because he mentions the first letter. We don't have the third one. The one we have in our Bible called 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth because he mentions the third. So you know, we know he wrote at least four letters back and forth to them. And he said, when I showed up in your town, you all were so crazy. The only answer was Jesus. He says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He said, there was no sermon series that could have been creative enough for you to care about it. There was no event that I could have done that would have been exciting enough for you to come to. There was no children's ministry thing that I could attract you to. You didn't need anything from our food bank. The only thing that was gonna work in Corinth was Jesus. So when I came, I thought, all I'm gonna talk about is Jesus. There's some seasons in life, folks, where the only thing that is going to work is Jesus. We are living in one of those seasons. Netflix, in the past few months, has released a movie in France, a French language movie called Cuties. And the premise of the movie, it's a group of 11-year-old girls um, who realize the power of their sexuality and sensuality as they form a little dance club. It's them exploring their sexuality and sensuality and learning how to use it. It's a TV mature production, which means the intended audience are young adults and adult men to learn about the sensuality and the sexuality of little girls. Somebody, thankfully, had enough common sense to write into Netflix and say, do you all realize what you're doing? And watch the conversation. Someone asked Netflix, how does a movie sexualizing children get approved? Who signed off on this? And Mary from Netflix answers, we understand that not all stories may appeal to all our viewers, which is why we always invest in a diverse range of content from all over the world. We also provide ratings, synopsis, trailers, and controls to help our members make the right viewing choices for themselves and their families. Do you support pedophilia? A simple yes or no will suffice. And Mary from Netflix says, we cannot really comment on that. Do you support pedophilia? Do you support adults being sexually attracted to children? I would think that's a pretty easy yes, no. We can't really comment on that. But while we believe in creative freedom in Netflix, we respect all religions and their cultures, traditions, and values. So only religious people think adults shouldn't be sexually attracted to children? Two things. One, Europe is America grown up. We're about 50 years behind them, but that's where we're going. 
And when you can define sexuality by personal preference and personal pleasure, rather than by the purpose that God created it for, eventually everything goes. That's just, that's just, that's just what happens. You need to know that's, that's, that's where we're headed. And secondly, I don't know that anything's going to help this but Jesus. I don't know that anything's going to help this but Jesus. You know, I've been talking to pastors all over the country, friends of mine all over the city, all over the country. Our suggestion boxes have never been more full of things to talk about. But I think in this season, we have to talk about Jesus. They say, Pastor, we need, to, we need to talk more about race. I understand that in this year. But if it's okay, we're going to talk about Jesus because every race needs Jesus. Say, Pastor, Pastor, we need to, Pastor, you need to preach on masks why you should wear them, why you shouldn't wear them. You know what? If it's okay, we're going to preach on Jesus. Because people wearing masks and people not wearing masks, they both need Jesus. Pastor, we need to preach on the economy. It's crazy what has happened to people. We've got to preach on the economy. You know what? If it's okay, we're going to preach on Jesus. Because rich and poor people, people doing great, people losing everything, they, both, they, they all need Jesus. Pastor, we've got to preach on politics. We've got to preach on the election. If it's okay, I'm going to preach on Jesus because Democrats and Republicans both need Jesus. Pastor, we got to preach on the vaccine. You know what? If it's okay, I'm going to preach about Jesus because everyone who gets the vaccine and doesn't get the vaccine 100 years from now is going to be dead in eternity and they're going to need Jesus when they get there. Amen? Like, if it's okay, if it's okay, if it's okay, there are some seasons where, like, Jesus is the only answer. And Paul said to Corinth, it's just going to have to be about Jesus with you all. I'll talk to everyone else about everything else. With you, we're going to have to start with Jesus. So Journey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay with Jesus and what Jesus has called us to do. When we started this year, we had two big initiatives. One was called our growth track. It's a discipleship initiative. Our goal this year was to help all of our people drive deep in their relationship with God. We want everyone to know God. We want them to be transformed. There's two more steps in this growth track process. We want to see people discover their purpose. We want to see people make a difference. By the way, we think this is a discipleship pathway. We think this is the job of the church. I think when I get to heaven one day as a preacher of the gospel, Jesus is going to ask me, did you allow your pulpit to get sidetracked by issues or did you teach people this? I think this is my job. I think this is my job to help people know God, to allow them to be transformed from the inside out spiritually, to help them discover their gifts and purpose and make a difference. I think this is my job spiritually. It's the one I'm gonna be held accountable for. I think Jesus is gonna ask me, did I do this for you? And when we started the year, we said our church has grown so big, so fast, that we have to have a better process to help people learn how to do this, from joining our church to learning how to get on a serve team to getting in a small group to serving our community. We think this process is going to handle that and allow people to get engaged at our church. My belief is, my very good-hearted belief for all of you here, for all of you watching online, is that everyone here wants these four things in their life. I honestly believe that. And everyone here wants these four things in their life. We believe this growth. You say, what is growth track? It's a four-class process that helps you begin to walk your way very intentionally through your discipleship journey. We're going to start offering it next week after church. And every Sunday in September, you'll be able to go. It's a one-hour class. There are four of them, class one, class two, class three, class four. Very creative that we got in naming those um, the way that we did. We're going to serve you lunch, stay for an hour. And you will be able to join our church. You'll be able to figure out how to join a group, how to join a serve group. We've already had 200 leaders at our church go through it. 
starting in March. Our goal was in the summer to start it. We got sidetracked and we asked as we came through the pandemic, should we just move that to 2021? And we said, wait a minute, should we move discipleship to next year because of a virus? No, no, start it. So in September, it's after church, starting first Sunday of October, every Sunday during church. You'll be able to come to a service and then stay for an hour in a different room, get a snack, sit down and learn how you can know God, be transformed, discover your purpose and make a difference. Pastor Ryan and Hannah Rice, who serve on our Connections team, are going to be leading this process. They filmed a little video to tell you about it. Um, Check it out. Cue that video, guys, of Ryan and Hannah. Growth Track is a four-week process where we want to equip you through four steps. One, become a partner with Journey Church International. Two, discover your purpose. And three, learn how to lead and influence others. And then four, get on a team and make a difference in the lives of our people and our community. As a church, our vision is to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And Growth Track is accomplishing that vision. When you can understand that God wants relationship with you, that He is a redemptive calling for you, and that He wants to use all of that for you to make a difference in the world, that's what we believe is available for every person. Growth Track isn't another class or a program. It's about accomplishing Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We want to take you on a journey to discover your spiritual gifts. And we want you to know that God desires to utilize you to influence others for Jesus in the unique way he has designed you. In partnering with the church, key relationships that you're going to make along the way will help you to accomplish all that God has for you. Going through Growth Track was life-changing for me, knowing that God had shaped me and made me for a purpose that was to change people's lives, not just here and now, but something that was an eternal impact. It made such a difference in my life. I started looking at school different and my family different and my workplace differently. Everything, everything had more meaning to me. I would not be here in Lee Summit, Missouri at Journey Church International if I hadn't taken a step of faith and gone through the growth track and found out what God had for me. We believe the two greatest days of someone's life are the day they were born and the day they discover why. It's our desire that every person would get to experience the four steps of the growth track here at Journey. So our hope is that everyone in our church will go through this. I mean, that, that honestly is our hope, that everyone in our church will go through this. You say, how, how do I even get more information on it? Inside your bulletin, we've put this little card that says JCI Growth Track. All you got to do is fill out this card. This is not signing you up for any specific class. This is saying, I want to know God. I want to be transformed. I want to discover my purpose. I want to make a difference. Um, between now and January 1, we'd love you to go through this process. If you didn't grab a bulletin, if you're not paper and pen yet, you can text um, Journey Growth to 474747. Don't text Growth Track. I talked to somebody after service who texted Growth Track. It leads you to a finance place that will help you put your money on a growth track. So if you want to make money, just text Growth Track. If you want to grow spiritually, Journey Growth to 474747 or fill out this card, drop it. It's our goal that everyone will go through that. That was our discipleship initiative. Heading into 2021, we said we're going to develop a very clear spiritual pathway to join our church and be a part of our church and do what God has created you to do. But we also had a big initiative in our Difference Makers Building Project All last fall, we spent talking about our need for a building for more space as a church, Um, and we kicked off and completed our Difference Maker building project. For those of you who are very brand new to our church, you say, what what are we building? 
Um, this blue is our current building that we're sitting in right now. The white roof is everything new with all of the expanded parking. If we lift the roof off, what we really feel like we need is an auditorium, a 1,200-seat auditorium that will hold all of our church on Sunday morning between the hours of 8 and noon instead of five or six services at two or three different places. We'd like to be together. A massive atrium that allows people to be together, not in a hallway, but in a place where they can talk and hang out. A lot of outdoor space where families with young kids can hang out. Discipleship classrooms, a little cafe where people can relax during the week and come do Bible studies or work if they need to. Lots of expanded kids areas. We spent last fall talking about this, dreaming about this, getting ready to launch this. And when we were in March, we were full grow and full go. And then when the pandemic hit, we just kind of pressed pause and said, okay, what are we going to do now? And starting in June, we gave this problem to our finance team. We have some of the finest financial analysts in the city whose job is to analyze finances, doing that for our church. And we said, we want you to put together a grid for us, green, yellow, red. And we want you to tell us if the building projects a go, if we need to pause or if it's off, month by month, analyze our finances, tell us, can we do it or can we not do it? And in August, they came back and said, all signs are go. We need to build the building. The people are giving. The bank is still willing. We are ready. All the contractors are ready to go. We need to go. So we've started our site work that you've seen outside. By the time we get to the middle of November, we'll be ready to start throwing steel up on this. What we are going to do in the next month is we're going to contact personally Everyone who made a commitment to the Difference Makers pledge campaign and just see where you are, see how we can serve you, see where we are in, in that vein so we can know how much of the building to build, when it will be complete. But we, we believe we're supposed to go and the only reason we would not build is fear. There's absolutely no financial reason not to build right now. The only reason would be fear. To pause right now, someone told me, they said, Christian, to pause the building project right now would be like sitting in a green light and not going because you think eventually it's going to turn red. So you just sit there. Right now, the light's green. Go. So our plan is to go and to begin to build this fall and just trust God, confident that this is his plan talking, communicating to everybody so we don't put extra pressure on you, but going as far as we can until God gives us a red light. Why? Because that third word, completion, we believe God wants to complete what he started. Paul said, I'm confident that what God has started, he's going to carry on to completion. A little further down in Philippians chapter one, we read these famous verses from Philippians one. For those of you who may have grown up with a faith wall, grown up in church, Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I cannot tell. I've had more people in 2020. I've had more people in 2020. Say to me and text to me, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back than any year previously. Have you, had even a, have you even had a hint of that thought where one day you thought, you know what? I think I'm ready for the world to end. Like, I th- like, this is so bad, I'm just ready to go home spiritually. If that was you, it's been me this year. It was also the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, when I think about staying here or going, I think I'd rather go. I think that would be way better. I don't think that's an unspiritual thought. Unless God has called you to do something first. Because Paul continues, I want to depart. That'd be better for me. But he says it's going to be more necessary for you that I remain. Can you almost hear him get sad as he writes that? So excited, I'm going to go be with, go Jesus, go be with Jesus. If I could decide that's what I do, it would be so much better to be with Jesus. Sigh. 
but I guess I'll stay with you. Um, It's more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this. I know that I will remain. And it sounds like convinced that God's going to make me stay. I know that I'm going to remain. And I'm going to continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul said, yes, I'm ready to go right now. That would be better for me. But my calling is for you. And convinced that God's not done with Lee Summit. Convinced that God's not done with Cass County. Convinced that God's not done with Kansas City. Convinced that God's not done with Journey. I guess we ought to complete what we finish. If we can't go home, we might as well work till we get there. We might as well complete what God has called us to start. And I think we can. Our church will turn nine years old next month. Last year, when we sat in our building dinners and cast a vision for our buildings, we handed out these booklets to everyone who said, I want to know more about the building and why we're building it. It it was a booklet called Potential, and we wrote in here that if our church for the next 25 years continues on the track that we've been on for the last eight years, this is is what we think our church could accomplish, but we're going to need a bigger boat for the people on our boat. What could be if for the next 25 years we just do what has happened for the first eight? And two weeks ago, I pulled out this book and I started looking at these ministry legacies. Usually our elders meet every month. And then after that, our finance team will meet. In August, we ask our finance team to meet first so they could tell the elders whether or not we should build a building. So they met and they brought their assessment, go. And between that finance team meeting and the elders meeting, I pulled open this book again and I thought, Can we still do what we want to do? $20 million invested in the global missions community, outreach, and church planning. If we just invest in the future just like we've been invested in the past. If we just keep doing what we've been doing and we don't quit, 20 church plants and or journey campuses across the state of Missouri. Like if we just keep doing what we've been doing and we don't quit, this could happen. Number three, total village transformations leading to spiritual transformation across the globe. We could take what we're doing in Guatemala and we could do that on every populated continent in the world if we just don't get discouraged and quit. Number four, 500 missionaries trained and sent out from journey to live on mission globally. Like if we just keep doing what we've been doing, we could send hundreds of people to be missionaries all over the world. All we got to do is just not quit. The Journey Bible Institute, a place where adults and college kids can get a two-year Bible degree to help them ground their life in the Word of God. It's going to be the only thing that gives a firm foundation as we move forward where our country is headed. The Journey Ministry School, number six, where kids can get a two- or a four-year accredited degree to be pastors and kids' pastors and worship leaders and mission workers and community outreach directors. Our internship program is currently doing that right now. And number seven, our Journey to Life Home for Unwed Pregnant Teens. We hear over and over. There are kids in our community who get pregnant who want to have babies, but there's no one who will help them. And we say, we will help you. We'll get a home. You can come live. We'll take care of you. We'll help you raise your baby or we'll help you give your baby up for adoption. I pulled this out and I looked at these seven and I thought, which one has to be crossed off the list because the coronavirus came in 2020? And the answer was how many? None. None. Has it been a crazy year? Sure. Can we complete what God's called us to start? I don't see why not, but we can't quit. 
We can't quit. We got to be confident. We got to just keep carrying on and we got to move towards completion. Again, some famous verses out of this book in Philippians 3. Paul said, I'm not who I want to be. I've not accomplished what I want to accomplish. I haven't obtained all that stuff yet. I've not already arrived at my goal, but I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but he said, one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The last six months have stunned and stunted what God has called us to do, but we got to forget that. We got to praise the Lord and we got to keep doing what God has called us to do. Journey, we're going to move forward confidently. We're going to carry on with Jesus because we believe he's the answer to everything going on in society right now. And we will, Lord willing, complete what we started if God will help us. That's our vision for the fall, but it's going to take all of you kind of re-emerging from your coronavirus, maybe spiritual hibernation too. Paul used two words in Philippians 3 to describe his heart. He said, I'm straining and I'm pressing on. Both of these words in the Greek language were words that meant to put great effort into something. Paul said, for me in this season, it's going to take great effort for me to move forward, but it's what I'm going to do. It's going to take great effort for me to get back into the word, but it's what I'm going to do. It's going to take great effort in me to go from being discouraged to confident, but it's what I'm going to do. It's going to take great effort in me to try to carry on when I feel like I should just wait till it's done, but that's what I'm going to do. It's going to take great effort to stay focused on Jesus when every issue wants my attention, but that's what I'm going to try to do. And journey, we know what God has called us to do, and we're going to press on towards it. Say press on. Say it again. Press on. When someone asks you, how are you doing in this season? Tell them, I'm pressing on. I am pressing on. It's been hard, but I'm not quit. I'm pressing on. I'm going to be who God called me to be. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to press on. And if you want to be a part of a church that's going to press on, come with me and we'll help you do that too. Press on, press on, press on. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but hearts are open all over the room and for those who are watching online, Jesus, we believe, Jesus, that there's nothing better than you. We believe it with all our heart and we can get distracted and we can get discouraged, but when it comes right down to it, we believe it with all of our heart. Jesus, there's nothing better than you. God, we ask you to redeem 2020 from what it has been to what it can be. You are the God who can turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. There's nothing better than you. There's no one more powerful than you. God, turn 2020 into from what it's been into what it can be. Let it be our best year spiritually ever. Let us be confident in the midst of chaos. Let us be focused on our Savior more than just solutions. Let us not grow weary in doing good or discouraged trying to press on, but let us carry on. Let us choose a season of ministry for others, even over a season of instant eternity, which would be better by far. Let us complete what you've called us to do. God, there's nothing too big for you. God, there's nothing too hard for you. God, there's nothing better than you. So we worship you today. Turn the year of chaos into a year of confidence. Turn a year of pausing into a year of carrying on. Turn a year of 
unfinished projects and unfinished business into a year of completed work. We're going to forget what's behind. We're going to work hard towards what's ahead. We're going to press on. We're going to press on. We're going to press on. God, help us as we press on. Split the sea for us. Lord, line the highway for us. Bring our spirit back to life. We press on for you, and we do it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Journey, let's worship with our team.